Welcome to the Grit Growth Podcast with hosts Carson Stefanelli and Matt Webster. Our mission is to build grit in people. Our vision is to restore American grit to its former glory. Here, you will find inspirational interviews of strife, spirit, ultra accountability, and ultimate triumph, all in the form of casual conversations. You can join the grit growth movement to build an unprecedented force of conquerors, both in business and in life, at www.gritgrowth.org. Commit to conquer, lead your life, leave a legacy, gather your grit, and let's get after it. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. Mayor. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How about you guys? Excellent. Doing well. How you doing? I'm Matt Webster. Good to meet you, sir. Nice to meet you as well, Jordan Marlowe. Excellent. So I like the uh, the background. Thanks. <laughs> cool, huh? <laughs> so uh yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, when, I, when I first made a list of people who I thought had grit and I would like to interview, you were high up on the list. Um, Modern. And I, I think maybe uh, if you could open with just a little background about yourself and what you um, spend all your valuable time doing, and I, I think it would paint the picture of why I think that. Uh, well, I appreciate that. I'm, I always enjoy doing this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I've been a teacher at Newberry High School for 16 years. I've been an elected official in the city of Newberry now for 11 years. I've been a farmer in this community for about 40 years. Started when I was five years old, driving the tractor with my grandfather. Totally legal. And so we, exactly, yeah. That's how it used to be done, right? That's yeah. Right. The good old days. <laughs> Uh, as yeah. before as before air driving the truck down yeah yeah you were sucking down that dust <laughs> uh, but it's you know it's been an interesting time staying in the city of newberry uh and seeing the growth patterns and seeing what's changed and those kinds of things so it's uh, I think it's it might be unique. Uh, a lot of folks tend to move around to go to different cities. They travel to different states. And so they they get a different perspective. I get a perspective of watching the development of one community. And that really allows me to, I think, um, you know, try to get engaged and active in guiding that community and seeing where we want to go. So I, I enjoy getting together like this and having conversations about uh, not just Newberry, but the state of Florida, the state of the country. Uh, state of education, you know, state of politics, all those kinds of things. I always see uh, Newberry as a microcosm for the larger picture. So what the lessons that we can learn in Newberry, uh, we can take those at, to the state. We can take those to the country. We just have to be conscious of it. Definitely. Definitely. It's a noble cause uh, fraught with obstructions and hurdles, right? <laughs> yeah. On, on every level, on every level. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, so, so many gritty things there uh, to unpack and I don't know where it's going to go, but you know, maybe there needs to be multiple episodes here, but 
Um, you know, because I think being a teacher has got to be one of the, you know, most grit requiring professions, right? And uh, yeah, so, so I'm curious about that, but I'm also curious about the grit that you see as a teacher in the high school age kids. That's something I'm really interested in and fascinated by. And how do you, you know, develop it into the next, you know, as they, as they progress into um, professional adults and contributing members of society, um, what, you know, is the, is the indicator that you see in the high school age, you know, and how does that translate as they develop? You know, I think uh, you hit on a lot of points there, especially that at the end. I mean, I, I, teaching is a profession where on the one hand, we're not trusted to select books for our classroom. And then on the very next hand, we're asked to carry a gun um, and, and into the classroom. So, you know, it really depends on the day, the conversation that we're going to have when it comes to teachers. Uh, and it, you know, 16 years has really changed. And one of the things that I think that has changed that ties in to that question about the grid of the students is consequences and how every single year consequences for our actions seem to be receding and how difficult it is to raise adults in a world where um, they are raised in an environment that lacks consequences uh, and expectations. So, you know, when you were a student at Newberry High School and you were in an AP class, uh, you had uh, summer work, you had higher levels of expectations, you had, to, you had to sign off, your parents had to sign off that you were going to be in that class and there was going to be college level content. Uh, now, uh, you know, if a kid wants to be in it or a parent wants to be in it, then, then they're put in it. Um, whether they're able to do that work, that college level work, or they're not able to do that college level work. And, and then once they're there, uh, everybody gets an A, right? If they came to class and they tried, you know, why is my, why is my kid have a, a B, you know? So, uh, you know, it, it, I think that in order to raise adults, in order to raise citizens that have grit, they have to go through the fire. They have to go through some hard times. They have to struggle. And that's what college is about. That's what AP classes are about. That's what football practice, right? <laughs> summertime practice used to be about. Can you make it through the fire of a Florida summer uh, with your coach yelling at you to push harder and not quit? You know, that's that's where you get grit, right? That's how you learn it. Uh, and we've lost that connection between um, real consequences and rewards and creation of grit. So part of what I think we have to do, what we really try to do at Newberry is if I say it, I mean it. Uh, and, and I'm gonna support uh, my colleagues and I'm gonna support my administration. I expect them to support me too, because we're, we're trying, it's never about the book that you're reading. It's never about an essay that you're writing. It's about the work ethic. It's about the determination. It's about, it's about I signed up for this class. I didn't have to take this class. It was voluntary. And so I'm going to see it through to the end. Definitely. So how do you, 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 great points. Love it. Absolutely love it. And yeah, I'm, yeah, the, the hard work, the struggle, 
uh, you know, a lack of consequence with authority, you know, leads to entitlement, which is kind of what we got, right? I mean, you're, you're given kind of a responsibility, but there's no consequence, so then you become entitled. You know, how, how do we change that paradigm now? You know, we, we got here, the pendulum's shifted, right? And then, so how do we teach society? How do you take the microcosm of Newberry and how do you influence that outside of you leading by example, which you're doing? Yeah, you know, how do we put that back into schools? How do we train parents not to be helicopters? I mean, and you've seen that. I'm just, you know, again, just kind of seeing your thoughts there. Is it a policy? Can government do anything? Is it, is it down to, again, a private choice? Uh, you know, I think, I think it's all of those things. Uh, I think one of the things that I'm uh, trying to do, and we just started a group in the city of Newberry called United We Father. And one of the points we hammered on at our first meeting is that we need a, a, a mental shift among the parents who are truly trying to parent their children and raise those adults. Because right now, the only voices in the room are of the parents of the most challenging students. So I, you know, at the end of the year, I can see the same parent has walked into the front office a dozen times and has, has pitched a fit and yelled at everybody. And then I can see the parents of students who are sitting there every day in their desk. They've got their pen, they got their paper, they're trying, they wanna learn, they wanna participate. And they can't be taught because of one or two kids on the other side of the classroom. And their, their parents are telling their kids, guys, life's not fair. You know, you got to suck it up. Next year will be different. And we, we need those parents to be just as vocal, uh, vocal about their rights for their education and their rights for a, a safe environment as the parents of the most challenging kids. They've got it. They figured out that school boards are scared to death of lawsuits. So all you have to do is say, I'm going to sue, right? Uh, we're, we're terrified of being called a racist in this country. So if it's an African-American student or a student of color and the teacher is white, uh, I can pretty much just say anything about race and I'm going to get through the door, right? Uh, I, I'm going to, the consequences piece will automatically lessen. And somewhere we have to find the, the gumption to say, I, there, we absolutely have racial elements in this, uh, in this, in our history. There are, are those aspects we have to address, but everybody today is still making choices and those choices have consequences. And if this kid is acting up, we're going to have the same consequences as if this kid is acting up. And then we got to see that through. So, you know, we need everybody to use their voice and say, wait a minute, I got 23 kids who are really trying to do the right thing. And they can't because I got two kids that aren't doing the right thing. And somehow those two kids are, are sucking all the oxygen out of the room, both in the classroom and in the principal's office. And I need 23 parents in the principal's office saying, what are you doing to get those two kids out of the room? Because I want my kid to have consequences. You know, you got 60 kids on the football team. Of, uh, you know, coach grabs a, a, a face guard and pulls the kid in to, to yell at him. Well, I got 59 other parents who say, yeah, that's exactly what my coach did to me. Right. But all we ever listened to is the one parent said, why did you don't touch my kid? You know. Right. So it's, it's almost teaching the parents to be advocates. I think so. Yeah. To speak up is one way. Don't be afraid to speak yeah. up. 
don't be afraid to speak up, which is, you know, I, I would imagine that we could probably have a lot of conversations and that's the end of the conversation, right? Is don't be afraid to speak up. Mm-hmm. There, uh, there's no conversation that I'm afraid to have. We're, you know, if I'm afraid to have a conversation, then I need to have a conversation about why I'm afraid to even talk about it, you know? Right. Um, we've done a lot of work in the city of Newberry on race relations in our history. And I've had a, a lot of older white people express to me fear that we're, we're drudging up the past. We are, we're scratching old wounds. And that's generally my response is all I'm, all we need to do is have a conversation. Let's listen to both sides. And why are we afraid to have a conversation? Why are we afraid to talk about it? That's right. If you don't acknowledge the past, if you don't remember the past, the past is going to repeat. History will repeat repeat itself. Yep. Yep. Sorry, Carson. I I jumped on you there. Oh, that's okay. It's all good. (laughs) Feel free. Um, One thing I was, I heard in there that I wanted to circle back to is um, we talked a lot right there about consequences, but the flip side is opportunities too, right? So um, the kids that are getting all the attention uh, and not, and they're, you know, squandering it, are, are they have the same opportunity that the other 23 want to capitalize on? Why are they squandering it? Yeah. Can yeah. they be taught also? Is there education you know, to be had there. So maybe the, it, less of that potential will get squandered. You know, I was, uh, my parents just moved and they've been going through a bunch of boxes and uh, old papers and things. And I came across a pledge that my grandfather um, recited at his high school graduation. And it is about core values, uh, core American values of opportunity, uh, of freedom, of personal choice. Um, And somewhere along the line, and I'm not sure what generation this happened, we stopped realizing the opportunities that this country uh, provide. And one of the things that I get an opportunity to do is take students overseas. You know, we just came back from Scotland and Ireland and it, it, it hasn't been forgotten outside of America. The rest of the world still views America as a land of opportunity. The bus driver that was driving us around Ireland this year was talking about how his daughter is working hard at, um, at her grades and at, uh, she's a swimmer because she wants to get to America because she sees America as the land of opportunities. And she wants, you know, she has dreams, right? And that's, so she wants to come here. Uh, So it's this strangely paradoxical situation where you have, you know, 216 sovereign countries around the world, all viewing America as the land of opportunity. And somehow we're not able to impart that message to our own kids that, this year you've lucked out you, you won the lottery of genetics right you were born in the land of opportunity all you have to do is seize it right seize it uh absolutely i mean that's oh god but that's the reason for this movement and and what i'm trying to do here i mean that's a main major driver um i'm sure it keeps you up at night <laughs> you know i know it does 
I mean, one of the things I like about a small town and a small school is that for, for a lot of kids, I'm able to help them figure out what it is they're trying to do and then physically put them in a position to have an opportunity to do that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, maybe you could do that at a school of 2000, 2,500. I don't know. You know, my perception is that more often than not, the bigger the institution, the, the, the bigger the cracks that people can fall through. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in Newberry, if you want a job, I can help you find a person who will give you an internship. If you want to explore a career, I can put you with people who can talk to you hands-on experience about that. Um, so it, it's, it is truly just about the, the persons, the students, the young person's willingness and determination to seize those opportunities. I was talking with Representative Clemens the other day, and he's got six unused scholarships to Santa Fe uh, to become a welder, right? So full ride scholarships, you can become a welder, six unused. So there are, you know, when we talk about um, social programs um, to help you get back on your feet, there are more social programs in America than anywhere else in the world, right? So if you if you have the drive, you have the determination, you can get help for any issue that you have, at least the first time you have that issue. Now, you may not be able to get the help at the sixth time you've had the same issue, but that first time, we can get you the help uh, because there's just a, a ton of opportunities out there but you got to advocate for yourself. So we're back to advocating again. You have to raise your hand and say, I need this. You know, I want to do this. How does that happen? Right. And we can help God. So I kind of want to, I want to jump back on the microcosm of Newberry, small town, small town America. And, and you talk about opportunities. Um, you know, how have you as mayor been able to influence opportunities for Americans to one, create their own business, two, create jobs, two, be able to hire others to then have the internships. And, and then more so when we talk about grit, what was the struggle of getting there? Uh, well, you know, I don't know that we could have that conversation without talking about the last couple of years, because I think the last couple of years have really highlighted that mentality. When, when I first got elected in the city of Newberry about 11 years ago, uh, we weren't growing nothing much was happening. Um, everyone was talking about jobs. Everyone was, you know, my, uh, the, one of the core issues I ran on was that I, I wanted my children to be able, if they wanted to, to live, work, play in the city of Newberry and do whatever profession they wanted to do, not have to go to Los Angeles or Chicago or New York or Atlanta in order to pursue their profession. Uh, and that's a long, that's a long road and it's a big ask. Um, fast forward 11 years later, we're growing so fast that, it, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to hold on to the reins. Uh, we've got more job growth, more economic opportunity. We issued more business licenses uh, last year than the previous five years put together. You know, we're, so we're starting, you know, over 100 businesses a year at this point in the city of Newberry. But, you know, the last couple of years with the way that the federal government and the state government and the county government handled the pandemic really shows the the fight that has to happen for that to occur. Um, 
And it, I think what really um, differentiates, and this is a, a core conservative principle, I believe, that the government closest to the people needs to represent the people. And that's not just a bumper sticker. There's a philosophy behind that. Um, you know, when the county wanted to shut everybody down and, and, and stop everything, that failed to recognize that Newberry's two largest industries, construction and agriculture, take place 95% outdoors. <laughs> There's no reason to limit or hinder those uh, activities. In fact, we want to encourage people to get outside. That was the whole message. Go outside, fresh air, wind, right, activity, stay healthy, all of those kinds of things. And you know, we had to pass a resolution in Newberry opting out of the county's ordinances and going with the governor's ordinances in order to do that. Uh, county was punitive later on. They, they uh, refused to give us um, some money that came down from the state that they had control of uh, because we weren't adhering to their ordinances. We weren't adhering to their rules. Um, so, you know, it, it is, it's a constant battle of having to stand up and say, wait a minute, what's going on on the Eastern side of Alachua County is not what's going on in the Western part of Alachua County. We're about to have that fight right now with the uh, half cent sales tax that the county is putting on the ballot uh, here. They're, the formula for distribution is the same that they tried to pass in 2014, which is the same that they tried to pass 10 years before that. It's not recognizing that the growth has happened in a different way. Um, and I think that when you, when you adhere to those core principles, the rest of it takes care of itself, right? So we had businesses that came to Newberry that started businesses, that started, that created jobs, or that flourished because they couldn't get, they couldn't do their work anywhere else. And so Champions Park, wonderful example. Champions Park was the only park in Alachua County that could operate because they were under our governance, not under Alachua County's governance. They hosted tournaments that brought in people from as far away as California and Oregon. Now those teams are still coming back to Champions Park. Champions Park was struggling before the pandemic. Now it's flourishing after the pandemic because we empowered them to make their own choices. We said, you can, it, you know, this is an outdoor activity. It's recreational. We are sure that you can figure out how to do this safely. We expect you to do that. They did. And now they're reaping the benefits. And I love it. I love the empowerment, you know, down. Like, he, he, again, here are the rules. Go follow them. We're going to stay out of your way. Right. And, and kind of that, that, that capitalism, having the liberty to run your business. At that core principle, right? Yeah. Core principle. You know, we, we have government has a role. We have some things that we have to do, uh, but those always need to be in partnership. Um, you know, I think if you look at affordable housing in Alaska County, uh, the County Commission has worked on affordable housing for the last 25 years, and Alachua County has some of the highest housing costs of anywhere in the state of Florida. Uh, so clearly something's not happening well, right? Something's not being done correctly. I think what that is, is that the in Newberry, we try to partner with our businesses. We try to ask, sit across the table and say, what do you need to be successful? Here's what we need. How can we work together to accomplish our mutual goals? 
And I don't think that that's the mentality that happens in other places all the time. Uh, you know, I hear stories about it costing $75,000 to take down one tree in the city of Gainesville. Well, I, I like trees. I think trees are great. And I could certainly understand, you know, that sometimes you have a century old oak tree, but I think you could also ask those businesses to plant more trees somewhere else, right? <laughs> Other types of trees. I think there's a compromise in there somewhere uh, because the developer is not going to eat $75,000, right? I mean, the developer has a profit margin. They're going to pass that 75,000 on and it's going to end up in the young couple who's trying to buy their first house. And now that house costs them six or $7,000 more than it would have cost them because the developer has to make up, you know, five trees that they had to save that ended up costing half a million dollars. Yeah. Well, I, I think you mentioned something in there when, you know, within COVID, you said, we're going to opt out, you know, the county's rules and go with the state. And when you, when you kind of talk about that, that grit and looking for that opportunity, you, you had a wall, you had a barrier. You said, you know what? What are ways that we can get through this barrier? Do we go above it? Do we go around it? Do we go below it? Do we go through it? And, and you found a way to make opportunities for your community in the face of adversity. You didn't you didn't sit there and, and take it and say, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And that that's always difficult because um generally nobody wants to be the first to do that. <laughs> so, you know, everybody sitting around, I think generally having a lot of the same thoughts, but it's hard to be the first person to raise your hand and say, is this really the best way that we could go about this? I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you saw Alaska County school board just passed a, a clear backpack. They want everybody to have clear backpacks. And then within 24 hours, they they reversed themselves on that. Uh, but somebody and, that, you know, they got a lot of feedback, but somebody had to be the first to raise their hand and say, look, we all want to keep our kids safe. But is this really an effective use of dollars, time and energy? Is this really what's going to keep kids safe? Right. Um, and that's the hard part, being that first one. And uh, unfortunately, Newberry, uh, more often than not, is the first to raise our hands. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I would rather, if we're going to have a disagreement, I'd rather us go ahead and have a disagreement. Let's talk about it. Let's get it over. I don't want to sit back. I don't want to sleep on it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to eat away at me. Let's just go ahead and say, hey, this is how I feel. This is what I think. You tell me, you know, how you got to this place and let's see if we can move forward. Uh, and so maybe that's just a, a leadership style that Newberry tends to generate. Cause I, I think if you look at our commission, there's six elected officials up there that all share that same quality of, you know, I'm going to tell you what I think, uh, and I'm going to tell you what I think is a better idea. Um, I, we work on listening to other people's ideas also, cause I think that's part and parcel. If I want you to listen to me, I need to listen to you also, but being the first to say, I don't think this is the right way to go about this. I think this is actually causing more harm. I think people have forgotten when the when Alachua County first shut down, uh, they they could not make up their minds. They on Thursday they would pass an ordinance uh, because under a state of emergency the chair gets to act as a dictator, and then on the next Tuesday they would change their they would change it, and we let that go on for about two or three weeks before we raised our hand and said, "You guys are causing more harm here than good." 
because these businesses are scrambling to figure out how to adhere to the rule, how to print signs. They're, you know, they're changing their policies. And then before the week's even started, you've changed it up again. So uh, whether you agree or disagree with Governor DeSantis, he was very steady throughout the pandemic. He projected his moves. He talked about them. He, he'd let everybody know what he was thinking about. He got the feedback. Then he made a decision. Once the decision was made, he stuck with it for a period of time, which I think is how you get through an emergency. No one's going to criticize you for getting something wrong in an emergency if you if you have done those steps, right? And that's it was not what was happening here, and that was causing a a next level state of mental anxiety for my residents. You know, I'm constantly living under different rules. I would talk to my students in the classroom and say, what would it be like if you came into a teacher's classroom and every other day the rules were different, right? Some days you could uh, speak, some days you couldn't, some days you could be on your phone, some days you couldn't, some days you could wear a hat, some days you couldn't. It would drive you crazy, right? Government simply cannot act that way. We have to be slow and steady. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> there was a lot there. I'm interested in um obviously you have a, a passion a burning passion for individual liberty i mean it's apparent now um how did you make the jump from teacher to mayor you know and is that what the driver was or was there something before that is it has it always been individual liberty or is that like you know, a recent development because of COVID. Can you expand on that? You know, I, I mean, the, the individual liberty has always been there. I think that's just by my raising, you know, uh, where I came from. I'm the student government sponsor at Newberry High School, and I, I have been for the last 14 years or so. And in that, when I became the sponsor, I didn't want my, when you look around at other high schools, and I'm not trying to put down any other high school, but they, it, it's largely contained within the school. And the things that they do are not very reflective of what actually happens in political life or community life. And I, I wasn't interested in doing that with my students. So I wanted my students to meet the city commissioners, to meet the city mayor. I wanted them to get involved in community activities and really see what public service was all about. And somewhere in that, I got sucked in as well, uh, and the mayor appointed me to a couple of community uh, committees. I sat on the economic development committee, um, and then uh, you know a seat uh, came open, and my students encouraged me to run, so I did. And in Newberry, and every city is different. Newberry has five voting commissioners and one non-voting mayor. So it's a really important for sunshine laws, bureaucratic red tape laws to know that structure. But it means that in Newberry, the mayor can have one-on-one -on -one conversations with all of the elected officials. That can't happen in Gainesville. It can't happen in any other city actually in Alachua County because the, the mayor has a vote. So the mayor can only tell you in any other city what the mayor thinks. When you ask me, I can tell you where our commission is. I can say, well, the, you know, the bulk of the commission believes this. It also helps us build consensus and find those compromises. And uh, so I served as six years as a commissioner. And then when the mayor retired, uh, I was already beginning to feel like my talents were are better at 
uh, bringing people together and finding that middle ground and finding how do we move forward together. And so it seemed like it would be a better fit for me to be the mayor than a commissioner. You give up the vote when you become a mayor in Newberry. You, you no longer have a say, but you have a lot of uh, behind the scenes ability to answer questions, build consensus, and direct how we go together. Because if, if we can't get there together, we can't get there. And that's why you see Gainesville not getting anywhere. It's why you see a lot of other cities not getting anywhere because they can't build any, any census on the, on the dais. Um, so the personal liberty just was, was there in the background. Newberry was a good fit for me. You know, I'm a libertarian. I'm not a Republican. Uh, I'm not a Democrat. I believe in fiscal conservatism and social liberalism. I don't care what you want to put in your body as long as you don't endanger other people. I don't care who you sleep with. Um, you know, um, but I do care a lot about what you do with my dollars and I want to see those spent wisely. Um, and I, and in my view, I think everybody has that view uh, pretty much. They just don't know it. Uh, they can't articulate it. Um, but I think we're, and it's, a, it's the, the biggest failing of the Libertarian Party that they have not been able to seize the last five years and grow, grow that message because almost every young person I know would fit into that category. They're tired of talking about homosexuality. They're tired of, of, of talking about marijuana and the war on drugs. These things seem archaic and old and outdated and not working and causing other problems. But they also recognize that I don't even know how much debt this country has at this point. 23, 24 trillion is Something not sustainable, like right? Uh, this so, is to 25 as we talk. Uh, <laughs> it'll be 26 by the time we're done right yeah right right yeah yeah so uh, you know i think that's been my own personal growth and then uh, you know trying to understand that newberry can't get much done by ourselves we have to partner with the state we have to partner with the county we have to partner with the school board and those other entities you know have very different governing philosophies than we do and that's creates tension between us yeah, absolutely. No, I love it. I love the message and everything you stand for. And I'm glad to be here in Newberry because of it. So uh, well, we appreciate my move. There. We love business. Owners. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe you can annex Webster's farm in. Yeah, know, exactly. That, that might be tough. That's kind of a stretch, but <laughs> we just got to get everybody in between. Him. Then we can make it <laughs> right. a little ways to go. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, no, that answers my question. I think uh, I think that it's amazing how much grit you have to portray. And I, I think that maybe it's easy to downplay in conversation just how opposed your views really are with the powers that be in this county. Uh, so, you know, not trying to trying to gear us more towards grit and maybe a little less politics, but that's the still the subject matter you know it's it's not just a, a, a occasional disagreement it is like hardcore butting heads on everything right is that is just that about yeah. overstated yeah yeah it's it's hard to find something anything that we can um even when we agree on the issue we have vastly different ideas on how to go about addressing the issue you know, a great example about six years ago, 
Newberry passed, and this is this is you know kind of kind of uh, that boring, tedious bureaucracy. But we passed a um, a, a tiered water system. So in Newberry, if you uh, if you're supplied from water from us, if you're at the bottom of the socioeconomic scale, we actually sell you water for less than we used to. If you're at the top and you're filling up pools and you've got prize-winning orchids and roses, you pay more, but you you can make the choice not to do that. Um, and one of the reasons that we did that, because we do recognize that water is becoming a scarce resource, right? And therefore, in my view, now water is subject to the same conservative market principles of any other scarce resource on the planet. Now, when I was a kid, water was not scarce. We would we'd spray the water up in the in the tree at night when it was freezing just to make the icicles. You know, you let the water go all day so you can play in the sprinkles. Uh, you know, but now, you know, Florida's grown. We got almost two thousand people a day moving into our state. Georgia has has drilled a, a line. Uh, and then right at the state line, they go underneath the ground because that the Supreme Court said that's legal. And they pumped into the aquifer and they're pumping water back up to Atlanta. Um, so fresh water is now a scarce resource. Uh, now, the county wanted to do the same thing. The county wanted to encourage water conservation. Also, uh, what they did was they passed um, increased regulations uh, that said that you you couldn't build you had to have a, an inspector come out and inspect your irrigation system at your house. Now, that was a direct increase to the cost of a house of $6,000. They, they also hired an inspector to go around and make these inspections. That was a salaried position of $70,000, which, of course, by the time you have the benefits and retirement, everything, you're up to $100,000, $110,000 a year. So the county's answer was increased regulations, right? Uh, increased inspections, more rules. Newberry's answers was to simply fall back on those core principles and say, okay, water is now a scarce resource. Uh, you know, we want for life needs, washing clothes, bathing, drinking, cooking, we want to provide that scarce resource cheaper. But for things that are pure choices, right? I just want that Irish emerald green lawn, right? Then you can pay more for that to make that choice. Newberry, the county reduced water consumption in their areas by 0.01%. Newberry reduced water co consumption by over 7% citywide and irrigation consumption by over 27% citywide. So from my view, if you, if again, if you decide on what your core values are, and then when all of these issues uh, come up, you simply try to figure out a way to adhere to your core values. I think I would argue that you generally end up with a better result at the end. Newberry is now leading the way when it comes to water conservation, a, a, a top five environmentalist issue. And we did it without any more regulations, any more bureaucracy. We simply treated it as a commodity. Do you, do you think that, you know, if we, if we had a grit meter, you know, one through 10 grit meter, and, you, and, and we put your grit at seven or eight, all right, we're going to just kind of, for conversation, it might be a nine or 10. Have seven or eight core, pretty high. I like it, yeah. Have your core principles allowed you kind of the grit to drive forward in the face of adversity. So I heard, I'm hearing a lot about core yeah. principles. I, you know, I think so. Um, and 
And how'd you develop your core principles to then let it drive you? Say that one more time. How'd you develop your core principles or recognize them to then help it drive you? Is that something that you knew as a teenager? Is it something you developed in your 20s? Is it something, you know, through experience? Because, you know, if I'm listening to this, you know, um, and I'm trying to, to find my grit, and it sounds like core principles help drive you, your, your decisions, you know, your grit. How do you develop, you know, so that's now the root is the core principles. How do you, how do you find, develop, refine those? You know, I, I, it's a great question. And I would actually say that my students um, hold my feet to the fire on a daily basis and create situations where I'm constantly in that process of self-reflection because my, my teaching style and the courses that I teach um, are there, you know, a lot of English, a lot of literature. So there's a lot of philosophy of, you know, what did this character do, why they're doing it, those kinds of things, but it's always about pulling it back out to real life, right? It's it, we're, if we're in these situations, what decisions would we make? Uh, so every day um, I have to go into a classroom of 25 to 30 kids and adolescents are the most judgmental demographic of people out there. And they, and they're also the most brutally honest at asking questions. I think somewhere along the line as adults, we don't ask these kinds of questions anymore. We're so sensitive that when we're at dinner parties, we're kind of feeling everybody out to see if we were already going to agree. And we only have these conversations. If I think you're already going to agree with me, um, uh, and then that, that doesn't give us the opportunity to go back and ask ourselves, am I still doing what I, I think is the right thing to do? Uh, by nature of my two jobs, I'm structurally put into a situation where I'm constantly having to ask myself, you know, am I doing what I'm teaching my kids to do? And I think it would be, um, it would be a shameful moment if I had to go into the classroom and tell my students, you know, that I did something last night on the dais that does not adhere to what I would teach you guys to do. So, you know, I would say that probably my students uh, and now my own children put me into a situation where I'm constantly, I'm 100% aware that I'm being watched and every decision that I make, every sentence that I utter is going to be held up and compared to, well, Mr. Marlowe, this is what you taught us. Remember, we, were, we, we read Mice and Men, and you said this, right? You talked about this principle, and you talk, you know, how, how do you align that? And uh, I'm not sure that, that, that other professions, a lot of politicians become career politicians, and uh, maybe they don't have an, uh, the same opportunity for that self-reflection that I get because I know that I've got to go into a classroom and I'm going to be talking about ethics. I'm going to be talking about values. Um, and I got to look them in the eye too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, I think maybe, maybe some people might say you just have a abnormally high self-awareness, uh, but you learned it. It didn't, it's not natural. I mean, it's what, what you're saying. It's been, it's been driven and derived from your career over years. So I think that anybody can, can develop that self-awareness, uh, but it, it takes sometimes uncomfortable 
time spent staring in the mirror to to see you know am I really walking the walk and or you know or or talking the talk it is it is it's is tough because kids will point out when you've messed up <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 if they would pay as much attention to the lecture in the books they'd be exactly smart yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, i mean it's uh they they're looking for it you know they're looking for those and they you know their their mission every day is to derail the lesson and let's talk about you right <laughs> let's talk about what's going on in the world let's talk about something else um but a lot of times those are also the best teachable moments you know uh because I think education, especially that type of education, works best when you have something in close proximity to compare it to that you're understanding. You know, if there's something going on in, in, in California. I'm, I'm pretty disconnected from that. There's tragedy going on in another country. I'm pretty disconnected from that. But when I'm listening to my parents around the dinner table, you know, um, talk about how to pay the bills because of something that's going on locally that's personal that's connected it's also you know it's also the things that i think we're being taught not to talk about right because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings we don't you know people are going to be emotional about it so we have gotten really good at avoiding those kinds of conversations and in the classroom you know because i'm competing with cell phones and television those are the kind of conversations I want to get. I want to grab, get in something that grabs your attention uh, and is real life for you. Yeah. I like that term you threw out teachable moments. Uh, that's one of my, my wife's a teacher or was, and uh, it's one of her favorite things, you know, when our, when our kids have a present an opportunity for a teachable moment yeah. and full circle, right. Getting back to the parents speaking up Um teachable moments are super valuable and there's a huge opportunity cost if you miss one do you ever find yourself you know later thinking kicking yourself that you missed one every day every day yeah i, I don't know that there and not even facetiously i don't know that a day doesn't go by where i don't stop and think about that i blew that moment right um whether it's in the classroom or on the dais, you know, and things are happening, you know, you got five kids asking you questions uh, on the dais, you're looking at the agenda, you know, you're going to be there till 1130 at night, you're trying to move things along, um, you know, uh, and two o'clock in the morning, you'll wake up and you'll say, you know, uh, that, that, that student was asking me something that, you know, if I'd handled that differently, it would have been an impactful moment and I missed it. Right. I wasn't tuned in. Um, I'll be a re you know, resident will be saying something and I'll, you know, I took the wrong tack. I was trying to explain when I really should have just listened, I blew it, you know? So, I mean, those, those happen, I think all the time. And I, you know, I, I think for me personally, it's cause I, I'm trying to do too many things <laughs> and I'm not able to be in the moment as much as I want to be in the moment. And, but I love all the things that I'm doing. I don't know how to, I don't know how to stop doing any of them. You know, uh, that's the conversation I always have with my wife, right? Like I love the, the sports I coach. I love being the SGA sponsor. You know, I love the classes I teach. I love the community. I don't know who do I say, you know, I don't have time for you anymore. You know, um, 
It but sounds like sounds like an echo chamber in here with me and my wife. But yeah, can go on. Sorry. <laughs> it's uh, it, yeah, and I, I think that's part of the you know part of the societal problem is that we've got um, you know a handful of people like that you know like uh, that we want to do and we want to do a lot, um, and then we've got a lot of people who are, are uh, oh there's an economic term for it just went right out of my brain but they're the uh, free rider sounds a little bit too harsh, but they're well, someone else is going to do the work. So, sucklers, uh, what's that? Yeah, that's that's probably too harsh, too. Yeah. On the farm theme, I was going to say sucklers, but you know, <laughs> yeah. you might have to edit that one, Carson. Yeah, nah, <laughs> I'm leaving it. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, I mean, the, the, the original question, you know, I think if you stop having those moments where you realize you blew it then, you know, maybe I'm not thinking about it hard enough because even the moments where I think I'd got it right, I'm still criticizing those. I'm like, man, I could have made that better. You know, that, that could have been even more powerful. Well, it just means you care, right? I mean, yeah. in hindsight's always 2020, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can't, you can't have grit without caring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, we're getting, close to an hour mark here and not that we want to stop it, but we want to be respectful of your time. And I, I just wanted to kind of recap some of the things that we've heard along the way here and, and um, you know, really some great stuff and, you know, kind of, you know, starting with kind of that perspective of pushing yourself, you know, Hey, you got to go through some struggles to understand it, to, uh, to be able to then uh, I, I guess, get into other struggles or, or, or go ahead, head into it and, and challenge, um, you know, having that advocacy and, um, you know, you know, promoting that for yourself and for others, um, you know, consequence versus opportunity. Um, you know, let's look at one, you, you need con consequences out there in order to, to create accountability, but also to reverse that and say, hey, what's the, what's the flip side and what's the opportunity that's out there for me? And, you know, being able to provide opportunities for, for your community, for, for yourself, for, for those around you um, is huge for, you know, growth uh, for all. Um, but ultimately, I, you know, Jordan, what I, you know, heard a lot here is that core principle and you're, you're kind of guiding light. And, and when you have that guiding light, those core principles um, to where you can kind of have your North Star and where you're driving, it helps you push through adversity because you know the direction you want to go. You know, and that's probably one of the, the heavier things I heard here and, the, and what I, I, you know, I'm going to take away personally, too. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And have the hard conversations, by the way, you know, don't be afraid, but you have those core, core principles there with you to have the hard conversation because you know where you're coming from. And, you know, I think it, when you adhere to that, you know, if, if the people decide they don't like my core principles or they don't like the decision, um, I can still look myself in the mirror and I can still raise my kids because I did what I thought was right. Yep. You know, uh, so if, and same thing in the classroom, you know, if, if the principal decides that he doesn't like or she doesn't like what I'm teaching, but I think it's an important lesson, you know, there's another classroom somewhere else, <laughs> you know, uh, being an elected official in my mind in this country was never supposed to be a career. It was always supposed to be a service that you temporarily did your time and then you stepped out of the way so someone else could do their time. Um, and that, you know, keeping those thoughts help continue to adhere to those core principles, because the more pressure it is that you, the job is more important than the principle, the more likely it is that you'll 
you know, abrogate the principal to keep the job. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, we really, really appreciate your time. Um, it's been a heck of a conversation. I think we could probably do this all day, but um, since you've already got lots of other things uh, nagging for your attention, uh, I just want to close with uh, a simple but, comp but, but not easy question um, for you. What does grit mean to you? Uh, well, you know, first, I, I, mean, I thank you all for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. I enjoy the opportunity to talk about these kinds of issues and just, you know, helps me reflect back. I think that for me is uh, first and foremost, having the fortitude to look inside and decide for yourself, what are your core values? Because uh, that's not an easy thing to do. You know, it's, it is it is tough to think about yourself and your life and your family and your upbringing, upbringing uh your country uh and really get to know you that's the first step and then to live and make decisions based on those principles and to think about it as you're doing it that's that takes grit and it takes growth all right the grit leads to growth you know so i mean i think that's what how i would define grit um having the backbone to to stand up once you decide what you believe in to stand up for it. Love it. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, well guys, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. We'll have to do it again. What is the tagline under, under, I got grit growth. What's underneath that? Let's see if I can get out of the way. Go get after, after it. it. Get after it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we would have fit that into the podcast somewhere. If I could have read it, I kept waiting for one of y'all to fit. <laughs> uh, uh, yep. Yep. All right, fellas. Well, I appreciate it. Hey, will you send me that quote for uh, the sidewalk for Newberry High School? Yes, sir. Will do. Definitely. It's on All my right. list. 10 4. All right. I appreciate y'all. Have a great rest of the day. All right. You Good too. To great to meet you. We'll get that farm into Newberry. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, see y'all right. later. See you. We'll see you.
Thank you for listening to the Grit Growth Podcast with hosts Carson Stefanelli and Matt Webster. We sincerely hope you were inspired by the interview and found at least one useful tool or tactic to implement in your own life. Now, level up by taking immediate action. Apply one lesson learned to your life as soon as possible to make sure it sticks. Post it and tag us to increase accountability. You can join the grit growth movement to restore American grit to its former glory by building an unprecedented force of conquerors, both in business and in life, at www.gritgrowth.org and wherever you're active on the socials. Please also drop a rating and review on your podcast app as it goes a long way in helping the movement gain traction. Now, don't let this inspiration go to waste. Commit to conquer. Lead your life. Leave a legacy. Gather your grit and go get after it.